Today, we have those who try to take away from the miracles of the Bible. As I said, the Sea of Reeds wasn't the very deep. They just waded through it. Miracle in itself that God drowned a whole army in that same sea that the children of Israel was able to wade through. But I doubt that the people of Jericho would have been afraid of God if people would have waded through a shallow sea, the Sea of Reeds, as they might say today. There was something that caused the other nations to fear, and that something is our mighty God. I should say the someone. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round, and it's taking you for a ride. Welcome to the Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. We're looking at Exodus chapters 15 and 16 tonight. I titled the overall study, Manna. And we're going to see two big events that play into... Uh, the life of Christ, uh, as far as symbolically, can play into the life of Christ. And we'll point those out. But here in Exodus 15, we have the chapter that I titled Mara. And that is a Hebrew word that means bitter or bitterness. And then in chapter 16, we have the bread from heaven. And so we'll be looking at these two major events. So who is like the Lord, they ask. Their song still. Another stanza, verses 11 through 13. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praise, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. You and your mercy have led forth the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them with your strength to your holy habitation. So who is like the Lord? Nobody, no other God. There is none who is like the Lord. That was the question. Pharaoh asked in Exodus 5:2, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. Well, God let Pharaoh know that he is the Lord. But what brought destruction to Egypt brought life to Israel. Therefore, they praised the Lord, their words, who is glorious in holiness, fearful in praise, doing wonders. They were delivered by mercy and strength. God redeemed and guided the children of Israel. In Isaiah 57, 15, speaking of the Lord himself, 
the high and holy one. And the word tells us, for thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of the contrite ones. So the Lord's holy habitation in the context of Exodus 15, it's talking about heading to the promised land, that he was going to bring them into the holy habitation in the promised land. As it says in Psalm 78, 54, he brought them to his holy border, to this mountain at which his right hand had acquired. The mountain, I think, referring to the place where the temple, the tabernacle, and the temple ultimately set there in Jerusalem. But ultimately, that holy habitation speaks about the promise of God through Jesus Christ and that heavenly reward that he has for each of us. The promise of Jesus in John 14, 2 and 3, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. My mind, being a tradesman for a a number of years in my life, and the Lord's saying, I'm going to build a mansion. I'm thinking, Lord, if it's taking about 2,000 years, it's going to be quite a place that you're building for us. The spiritual side of it, I think the Lord waits because he's waiting for others to come to faith in him before he brings about his second coming and what we read about in the end-time events in Scripture. But also they talk about the people hearing in verses 14 through 17. So, so far, it's been between God, Egypt, and Israel. But other nations will hear as well. The people will hear and be afraid. Sorrow will take hold of the inhabitants of Philistia. So the Philistines, the chiefs of Edom, the Edomites, will be dismayed. The men of Moab, the Moabites, Trembling will take hold of them. All the inhabitants of Canaan will melt away. Fear and dread will fall on them. By the greatness of your arm, they will be as still as stone. Tell your people pass over. O Lord, tell your people pass over whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance. In the place, O Lord, which you have made for your own dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your own hands have established. Now, the tabernacle hasn't even been made yet, but they're already singing about the sanctuary of the Lord, the dwelling place of God. Bethel, in the book of Genesis, the house of God, there in the promised land, God was going to bring them into the promised land. So the destruction of Egypt stood as a testimony to other nations, causing them to tremble, to fear, to be in dread as the children of Israel came to possess the land of promise. And we read about this 40 years later when Joshua takes two spies into Jericho. Joshua 2.9, the harlot Rahab tells the two spies, 
I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have now heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for when you came out of Egypt. So 40 years later, the people of Jericho said, we heard how God dried up the Red Sea. Today, we have those who try to take away from the miracles of the Bible. As I said, the Sea of Reeds wasn't very deep. They just waded through it. Miracle in itself that God drowned a whole army in that same sea that the children of Israel was able to wade through. But I doubt that the people of Jericho would have been afraid of God if people would have waded through a shallow sea, the Sea of Reeds, as they might say today. There was something that caused the other nations to fear, and that something is our mighty God. I should say the someone. So the Lord reigns, verses 18 and 19, the Lord reigns forever. For the horses of Pharaoh went with his chariots and his horsemen into the sea, and the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. The children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. So the end of the song, just recapping what the Lord had done for them, how they passed through on dry ground. We find this also in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 10, verses 1 and 2. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. So the cloud and the sea, now the cloud referring to the Shekinah glory cloud of God, the sea referring to that parting of the Red Sea, but it was a type of baptism as God delivered Israel through the waters of the cloud and the sea, while at the same time, with the same waters, destroyed their enemies. So Miriam, called a prophetess here, the sister of Aaron, took up a timbrel, a tambourine, took it up in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. And so they danced, and they just sang verse 1, of the Song of Moses, sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. So she's called a prophetess. A prophet refers to a person that hears from God and reveals God's message to others. But here we see that all she did was take a portion of the Song of Moses and relate it to others. And so... To prophesy means to speak forth. So I really connect this also with the teaching of God's word. We take the word of God that's already been given to us, and we can speak it forth to others. We can sing it to others. Even get a tambourine and do a dance if you'd like. I would say it would depend on how well you dance if you're going to go there, but... Miriam's prophecy was really just repeating back the word of God that had already been declared through Moses, something that we can also do as well. In Psalm 106, 9 through 12, again, we get a recounting of this in the book of Psalms. He rebuked the Red Sea also, and it dried up. So he led them through the depths as through the wilderness 
He saved them from the hand of him who hated them and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. The waters covered their enemies, and there was not one of them left. Then they believed his words. They sang his praise. Well, they had a moment of uh, belief. It took a long time to get there. They saw the ten plagues that came upon Egypt. They were driven out of Egypt. But it appears that they doubted the Lord even as they crossed through the sea. Psalm 106, 12. Then they believed his words. They sang his praise. I'm not saying that all the children of Israel did not have faith to believe as they were going through. I'm sure that many did. Moses and Aaron and Miriam, maybe others like Joshua. But there are those who sometimes we have to get through a difficult experience to realize that, hey, that was the Lord. He did exactly what he said he would do. Sometimes we maybe have had those then-they-believed experiences. But their faith didn't last long. As we get into verses 22 through 27, we find that there's bitter water. So there's, first of all, a bitter complaint, verses 22 through 24. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days into the wilderness and found no water. Now when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name was called Marah, that simply means bitter. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? So, singing praise to the Lord, talking about his, the Lord God being a man of war, his mighty right arm, his breath, and then three days later, murmuring against the Lord, they came to the bitter waters of Marah. But even here, God would bring deliverance to them. Though the people had a legitimate need here. They had not yet learned to trust in the living God who had redeemed them. And I think that's a lesson that we often fail in as well. The Lord Jesus said, Matthew six twenty five. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Rhetorical question, absolutely it is. But don't worry, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't work to provide for ourselves, for our families. But we have to leave those things into the hand of God. We're going to read later on in the next chapter, and I'm just going to mention it here, where the Lord Jesus, in the Lord's Prayer, said, Give us this day our daily bread. As I put that in my notes, and I'm going to use that verse. We'll come back to it again in Exodus chapter 16. As I put that in my notes, I was thinking about how we pray for the provision and the food that we have. And normally, as it was tonight, the meal's cooked. We got it ready on the plates. Lily and I hold hands. We pray, and we thank the Lord for the provision that he has given us. As I was looking at that passage today, give us this day our daily bread. 
It gives me the sense today, it just gave me that sense that that's how we should begin our day before we put anything into our mouths. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. And then when he does, thank him for it. So he cried out in verse 25a, Moses cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he had cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. So Moses did what every good leader should do when trouble comes upon them. Turn to the Lord and pray. Often we get in trouble when we try to solve and act without going to the Lord first. Moses went to the Lord. Psalm 50 verse 15 says, Call on me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. That is what we are supposed to do. We're to call on the Lord in the time of trouble even when it's happening. Send up those prayers to the Lord. So statute and ordinance, picking up in verses, verse 25 again through 27. There he made a statute and ordinance for them, and there he tested them. He said, if you diligently heed my voice, the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments, keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases on you, which I brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord God who heals you. Then they came to Elim, where there were 12 wells of water, 70 palm trees. So they camped there by the water. So God tested them there at Marah, where a tree that was cast into the waters made the water sweet. And God continued to test them. And the test was obedience. If you will obey my commandments and keep my statutes, then God promised none of these diseases which came upon the Egyptians will come upon you. And he gave them rest after the bitter waters. God gave them a place to refresh an oasis of Elim. And there, there were 12 wells, I guess one for every tribe of Israel and 70 palm trees. So they had water and shade trees. Hosea 6, 1 and 2 tells us, Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn, but he will heal. He has stricken, but he binds us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live in his sight. On the third day, and on the third day, they came to this place of refreshing could the tree that Moses cast into the water be a picture of Christ? Often in this life, we find that joy can turn into bitterness in just a few days. And we may feel that we're unable to go on, but Jesus can take that bitterness of life away. And he did so through his death upon the cross. He took our sins upon the cross that we might be set free to make life sweet for those who trust in him. Peter put it this way in 1 Peter 2.24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. It may be that we would sing praises to Jesus in both the bitter and sweet times, seasons of our lives. So chapter 16, now the manna 
key verse, verse 31. And the house of Israel called its name manna, and it was white like coriander seed, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Before they get to the manna, the Lord takes them through the wilderness of sin. And I've always found the name of that wilderness interesting, especially understanding what sin means in the Bible. So verses 1 through 3, All the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai. And on the fifteenth day of the second month, after they departed from the land of Egypt, then the whole congregation of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. It was water was the issue initially. Now it's meat, it's bread, it's food. It's about a month and a half later after they made it into the promised land and they complain again to Moses and Aaron. And they dream about life before God redeemed them. They were slaves in Egypt, and they were dreaming about the positive things of slavery. It's like many uh, prisoners, men and women who go into the prison system in the United States, other parts of the world as well. They get accustomed to the three square meals a day, and they get out of prison, and they don't know how to live on the outside. They Some commit crimes so they can get back in prison, because they get accustomed to life of bondage. Had they already forgotten about the sting of the overlord's whips on their backs? Had they forgotten how the Lord had spared them from the effects of the most of the plagues that came against the Egyptians, especially how the Lord redeemed their firstborn that night when all the firstborn of both man and beast died of the Egyptians, Israel's, Every one of them was spared. And yet they rebelled again. Psalm 78, 17, and 18. But they sinned even more against him. In the wilderness of sin, they sinned even more. Makes sense to me. But they sinned even more against him by rebelling against the Most High in the wilderness. They tested God in their hearts by asking for the food of their fancy the flesh pots of Egypt. I just don't envision that it was all that great. But they were in a desperate place. And a month and a half after being redeemed, they were ready to turn back. So verses 4 through 15, but picking up in verses 4 and 5, we have bread from heaven. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, And the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day, that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall be on the sixth day that they will prepare what they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they had gathered daily. Moses writes 40 years later about this time. He says, you shall remember what the Lord has done for you, how God led you 
all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commands or not. So he humbled you. He allowed you to hunger. He fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. The manna, the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the bread of life, that one may eat of it and not die. And Father, I pray that that would be our prayer this night, Lord, that we would eat of that manna in the spiritual sense, Lord, receive you as our Savior. For those of us, Lord, who know you as Savior, forgive us, Lord, for those bitter times. Forgive us, Forgive us, Lord, when we drift into the wilderness of sin. Forgive us, Lord, when we murmur and complain. And help us, Lord, to pray each day. Give us this day our daily bread. So bless us, Lord, this evening. Be with those, Lord, who are sick and infirmed. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Pray that God would bless you and keep you, that his face would always shine upon you and give you peace. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into his image by the power of his Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847 265 0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.